Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We've got Jackson here with us as well, aka Rickman Lives, Newcastle's most intrinsically motivated dude, to discuss the Celtics going up 3 0 on the very terrible sixes. Jackson, how's it going, man? Fantastic. Excellent. So good. It's so good. I bet, I bet you can guess why. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the vibes are, are flying high right now. Yeah. You look pretty happy yourself. So, so happy. Yeah. And the, the lack of sleep from uh, having a newborn in my life is, uh, is, is no, no big deal at the moment. With the, your lack of sleep and obviously the joy of being a newborn dad, is this Celtics, you know, just trouncing the sixes, just elevating your euphoria up? Like, even yeah, I'm, than normal? I'm definitely being a better dad as a result of the six, uh, the Celtics success at the moment. It's it's feeding into the rest of my life, as I'm sure it is to most people out there listening. Um, the Celts, Jackson, they are a very comfortable 3-0 over the sixes as of today. This is the first time we've spoken since the series began. How does what we've seen so far mesh up with your expectations going into the series? Um, we are probably exceeding them just slightly because I thought we would be, I thought we would be, you know, if you'd asked me, uh, after three games, what would be, how, what would be the breakdown? I would probably have said, I, I probably would have said three nil, like, like with trepidation because Ben Simmons was still out going into this. So when I, when that happened, I was like, this has got to be a win for us surely. Um, but it was before Gordon Hayward went out. So you know, you, you would probably think it would be a 2-1 at this stage, but like the, the, the truth is we've just been better than them in just about every single department except for points in the, points in the paint, basically, because they have one player <laughs> that is, is, is doing everything for them, basically. So, and, and we're just living with it. So um, it doesn't appear to be a problem. Um, the, how comfortable we have been over the three games so far, um, and, and I'm well aware not to jinx this because it is still, it's not over yet. <laughs> but we've just been so much more comfortable with them. Even today, when it was a, a game where I felt like Philadelphia could have stolen it if they just had a little bit more better shooting um, all around, um, we, we still looked really comfortable executing down the stretch, like a 10 nothing run to end the game. So it's just been, we've just looked by far and away the better team. Um, granted, without, you know, Ben Simmons on the other team, who would have made a difference. But expectations probably being just ever so slightly exceeded just with the ease that we seem to be handling ourselves. Yeah, the, I mean, because the expectations worldwide, I, I feel like, between fans, pundits, and you know, pro uh, reporters and whatnot, were that this would be one of the more competitive series and that it could yeah. go six or even seven games. So to be up 3-0 after losing Gordo four or three and a half quarters into the first game is surprising, um, comfortably surprising. I'm very, very happy with that result. <laughs> and you're right, like it feels like we've been in control of every game and even games where we, we've gone down quite a bit, even like in sort of pivotal moments. Like I think we were down eight in the fourth quarter of the first game. There's there's a definite uh, never in doubt sort of vibe about about the Celtics and it's it's made for comfortable viewing. There, there are still some heart up in your throat moments, I think, uh, like that that fourth quarter in game one that I mentioned. But for the most part, it's it's been pretty comfortable spectating and, and not really too much to worry about from the Celtics side of things. Before we, we get to the narrative side of things, because there's a lot of shit talking from Sixers fans and, you know, even neutral fans in our NBA 
can we talk about some basketball stuff? Like what have, what have the Celtics done on the court to be so successful in this series from your point of view? The thing that stands out to me the most is just the, the, pro- the production of the bench, basically. That mm-hmm. was my biggest sort of concern coming into the playoffs, particularly against like the better teams. And we'll be struggling to call Philadelphia a better team at the moment. But well, they're in the playoffs for a reason. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt of being a competent team, at least. So I thought against other competent playoff teams, um, there would be a, a disparity uh, in production of the bench. And that just has not been the case at all. Like Grant Williams, I thought today in particular, fantastic in his, you know, he's hit the limited minutes that he's had. Uh, game two, all of the guys we had, fantastic. I thought that was probably Cantor's best game. Just mm-hmm. just being basically a, uh, a physical double mass of Joel Embiid, even if he lacks this every every skill that Embiid has, um, just enough to put him off and you know to do his you know typical like juggle the rebound and put it back in um, yeah. sort of shtick is fantastic. We're getting that just on a more consistent basis. Granted, it is only three games so far, but uh, what we're doing with the bench, uh, I'm very encouraged by. Kemba looks much better. Uh, he was having his way with the defense um, all throughout game two. And today he was our top scorer. Again, fantastic. The knee doesn't appear to be uh, giving him too much uh, issue uh, for the moment. So I think, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? What stands out to you the most? Well, yeah, you mentioned the bench. And I think, because uh, there's, there's been, well, uh, yeah, let's let's get this out of the way very quickly. The most consistent standout from each three games has been Jason Tatum, of course, uh, with the exception of, of maybe of maybe this game where uh, he got an early foul trouble and, and wasn't really given an opportunity to to find his flow there. But the bench, it's been surprising uh, and consistent. Their their impact and even Grant Williams today, who you mentioned, popped a three sort of over Al Horford, I think, which was an interesting like changing of the guard thing on one side where Horford is like this. Sorry. Grant Williams is kind of this mini Horford in, in terms mm. of his tendencies and the way he plays the game, um, but that he doesn't typically take that shot and sort of survey the the motion of the offense around him. It was just like, fuck it, I'm putting up this three and, and did it and swished it right in Horford's face, which was great. Uh, and then guys like Romeo Langford as well, who despite the the torn tendons in his wrist or whatever he's got going on there has, has come out and just had an impact on the game. Brad Wanamaker as well, who... Um, you have mentioned this on, on past podcasts, actually, Jackson, where the, the best version of Wanamaker is when you like you don't notice him really at all. And that's mm. kind of what we're getting. He's shooting 67% from the floor in this in this series on three attempts per game. So two out of these three shots that he's getting. Yeah. That's that's the perfect amount of shots for Brad Wanamaker. It's exactly to, to what you want from series. him. Yeah, it's exactly what you want from him. He's doing his, his job. He's playing his role so well. And I think Embiid hit a three earlier today that put uh-huh. Philly up three. And then Wanamaker just walked right into one and answered straight back. That was like low key a big shot in the context of the game because I yeah. think if Philly had built a significant lead in this game at any point I get the feeling they would have gone on with it and that was just an example that was just a moment where it just they just snuffed it out immediately and you know that was that was Brad Brad Wanamaker so big shot Brad yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we talk about the, the control that the Celtics have sort of maintained throughout this series and today was a really good example of that where this, it felt like the Sixers were just giving us everything they had and at, at one point it looked like MB was going to play all 48 minutes and then he was getting these sort of mini rests throughout the game they tried so hard even Tobias Harris played well which is mm-hmm. an anomaly and and yet like they still gave away that game at the end uh use elite speak writes in the post game thread I can't believe we won that game with Tatum six for 19 from the floor and early foul trouble Jalen six for 16 Tice fouling out at a crucial point at the end and the 76ers with 34 free throw attempts man the list could go on Kemba and Smart were so huge for us today. 
which leads me to say that we had, I feel like our first Kemba Walker moment, right? Like our first, our first true cardiac Kemba moment with that step back J on Horford to, to basically put the game out of reach for, for the Sixers. Were you watching at that point, Jackson? Like what, what were your thoughts at that point of the game? Yeah, hundred percent. That was following on from a, a big N one play from Jalen. Uh, and uh, no, sorry. That was following on from the, um, the the clear path foul sorry um Mm. and we were two up then so that would you'd say that was not exactly the dagger but it was such a big shot to put us up two possessions and when Kemba was on the ball I got the feeling he was going to try and sniff out that space around the mid-range and and get it going um he ended up being more of a step back like with Horford over him but again another sort of changing of the guard moment almost um less symbolic in the way that Grant Williams could end up becoming like an Al Horford (laughs) one day but here's the guy that was really expensive for us last year who's gone and here's the guy for us this year that is we're paying basically the same money and it's the shot over him that wins this game three so um that was fantastic from Kemba I've been saying fantastic yeah. a lot lately there must be subliminally somewhere in this room um but no it's been building though do you get the feeling the last couple of games he's just he's just he's, he's just a uh, um, been better in just about every single capacity I've, I've noticed him getting more into the game more and off more on offense missing less shots i guess um i feel like it's been building yeah well i feel like it's a, a product of what the Sixers give up on defense and i was i was worried that that might be something that we missed with hayward going out because he's such a prolific mid-range shooter but Kemba's just getting into those mid-range pull-up spots uh and pulling the trigger and he's hitting them because he's kind of this pre- Curry era mold of a of a guard where like his his stick you know at UConn and early in the NBA was like penetrating it and pulling up at mid range mm. and and you know cashing his checks from there and he's he's given the opportunity to do that by the Sixers defense. There's this really good YouTube video by Half Court Hoops which I'll link in the show notes that explains um, what top locking is. So after the first game, Jalen Brown was quoted in his post game presser saying the Celtics needed to do a better job of handling the Sixers' top-locking defense. I was doing some Googling trying to figure out like what the fuck he was talking about because I'm not like a huge X's and O's guy. Mm. And yeah, Half Court Hoops on YouTube's great video explaining what it is. Um, and, he kinda threw, and how it kind of threw the Celtics off to begin with and then how Brad and the Celtics adjusted to, to use it against the Sixers. And it feeds back into Cam's offense. But basically, in this instance, top-locking is a ball denial on the inside of both wings either side of Tice while he's initiating the play at the top of the key. So like the Celtics, as you know, if it was Horford before Tice, they like to initiate a lot of their plays with with the big man. So Tice in this case, holding the ball at the top of the three-point arc. Uh, and these ball denials, this top locking, it prevents the Celts from from getting into their, their those fancy dribble handoffs, that screeny stuff at the top. And it funnels cutters into Embiid, who's hanging back under the hoop. And so what the Celts did to counter was start cutting off ball into that mid-range gap between the perimeter denial and Embiid. And after hitting some shots from those areas, forced the Sixers D back into a more conventional format, which then led to the sort of the bigger Tatum game in game two and allowed the Seas to get off more of their sort of classic perimeter actions. So like beautiful adjustment from Brad Stevens there. Brett Brown, not really capable of the counter adjustment as no. we've seen. No, he's but not. But yeah, it's allowing a combination of cutting into those mid-range spots and then some some ball screen stuff to allow Kevin to get into those little pockets as well. It's just allowed him to do what he's always done. But as Kemba has said after some of these games, 
it's got way more space because the defense is worried about guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So it's just awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, a remarkable transition from where we were, I think like midway through the year when the Sixers had a three, nothing regular season lead on us. I just thought the defense was just, just suffocated Kemba. Josh Richardson would, would just, would just swallow Kemba every time he got near him. Um, and we just didn't look like we had an answer for them. So you think about, again, we don't want to harp on about the absence of Ben Simmons and for all the shit we talk about him, he, he they so obviously miss him. He is so important to, to everything sure. that goes on there. Um, so yeah, with him out, it's just it's just completely fallen apart. And even in when they do can, you know, spring something almost like, you know, top locking in particularly in that first half of the first game, um, Brad's capable of adjusting our way out of it. And yeah, for all of um, for all of the the shit that Brett Brown uh, takes, fairly or unfairly, um, I, I've never been that concerned about playing the Sixers just because the coaching advantage that we have is just immeasurable in my opinion. Um, so yeah, example, another great example of it there. Yeah, and the, the coach chess matching in a playoff series, it's so much different to the regular season. And it's why that you can't really worry too much about that 3-1 loss record to to the Sixers in the regular season because when it comes down to, you know, the 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 genius brains of, a, of either coach, you can only really apply that term to, to one and that, that's Brad Stevens, whereas Brett Brown is, I guess, more of your, your coaching layman as it turns out, uh, mm. unfortunately for the Sixers and their fans. Uh, while we're talking about on-the-court stuff, though, I felt like everything was hinging on Embiid and, and kind of has continued to hinge on Embiid from a Sixers standpoint going into and, and coming out of this series. Um, and it's been the combination of the Celtics doing a really good job of preventing the entry pass to Embiid and also the Sixers just seemingly not being like very good at, at making that entry pass to Embiid in the first <laughs> place uh, because you've got this you know supposedly prolific shack like big man down there in the in the paint like get him the fucking ball and like the post touch numbers i don't have them in front of me now but they are very low they have not fed him the rock as they should have and when they've tried to it just seems like he gets super tired anyway and and can't perform the guy has serious stamina issues i think because he's been so reliably just better than anything that we can do uh in the first quarter the first half of the game I think, what was he, yeah, 22 points at the half today and he finished with 34, which is not yeah. awful, like another 12 points in the second half. Um, but I think you'll find it was a similar trend in the second game and the first game. Super dominant in the first uh, quarter, first half, and then just completely goes away. Part of me wants to, again, like lump that in on the this is why Brett Brown sucks as a coach um, uh, pile. But I think a lot of it's probably just got to do with his conditioning and he just he just can't keep that up. Like I, they went to him you know, in clutch situations today uh, and he turned it over and I think he was double teamed and, and Tatum uh, blocked his shot slash stole it off and it was another mm-hmm. turnover. So yeah. um, he's not, he doesn't look as sharp or as dominant in the in the later stages of the game. So uh, maybe that's why they don't do it as much. Maybe they're trying to, uh, they don't seem to be making a, an effort to conserve his energy. It just seems to be like, just go hard and hopefully we get the advantage and he just, he just, just fizzes out. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's so much talk in every post-game press conference for Embiid so far. He's been like, I just want to do everything I can. I, you know, I want to do more. I want to be allowed to do more by the coach. Like, that's not verbatim, but that's that's basically what he's been saying. Mm. And it seemed like today they, they tried to give him as much opportunity to, to, you know, to walk that talk as possible. And he just couldn't, 
yeah. couldn't really get it done. Credit to the Celtics defense, though, because like they are absolutely swarming on him. And if there's one positive for this from Embiid, it's that there's going to be plenty of game tape for him to assess over the offseason of like, here's how I can be better, particularly passing out of those double <laughs> Request teams. Request a trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's how yeah. I can be better. <laughs> Point to address number one. Trade yeah. me anywhere else. Yeah, trade sure. me to Phoenix. <laughs> um, You'd love to see it. You'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, just get um, him out of the conference. While we're on defense, I thought probably today was Marcus Smart's best bubble game. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly in the fourth, came down with a lot of key um, the rebounds, deflections, and just and, and t- steals. Um, yeah, fantastic. Decent shooting as well, too. Um, went some way to replicate or replace, rather, um, the numbers that uh, Gordon Hayward would give you, at least offensively. Um, so super important to see that. And yeah, just a fantastic performance again. Yeah, nothing jumping off the uh, the box score there, but he definitely left his impact on the game. Classic vintage smart game. Uh, finally, just some stuff on, on the court, sticking with that. User Rose of Stardust writes, I personally can't recall seeing a single pick and pop with Al this entire series from the Sixers. The Celtics mm. used to spam that because it took advantage of his shooting and playmaking. Sixers aren't doing that at all. Um, yeah, Holford just seems like he's sort of stuck out there on Brett Brown and Bede island of, of some kind and uh he's just not getting the looks or the or the motions or actions that you know he can be useful within what do you what do you think on uh, on Horford there uh, i feel sorry for him he probably thought he made a really <laughs> good move halfway through the regular season uh and it's just not worked out at least he's getting paid um hasn't hit a three this this series mm-hmm. neither is tobias harris i'm sure you've seen like those mm-hmm. posts or those tweets floating around but yeah hasn't hit a three this series um probably because he's not getting those pick and pop uh opportunities that yeah no we spammed as you as you quite rightly put it um but he just looks a shell of his former self and whether that is his age catching up to him whether that he's just not motivated to play for brett brown or the sixes or uh, or anything like that i don't think it's anything to do with his professionalism so um for me it's just got to be he's just getting on and he's not the focal point of the team at, at like at, at, by any stretch you know even when they go even when it's like the, a rotation and Embiid's off the floor you don't really see him like taking over or really getting the ball that much more so he looks a little bit lost and I don't know yeah it, yeah it, it sucks for him I guess it's so strange he could be the best backup center in the league right if he just uh, assumed that role like wholeheartedly and was just like I'm only ever going to play when Embiid's on the bench and Embiid's only ever going to play when I'm on the bench he, he could be the best backup center in the, in the league but mm. for whatever reason he's starting at the four spot which I know is his preferred position but it's 2020 in the NBA and that just doesn't seem to be a thing anymore Al mm. so I don't know anything don't listen to me but maybe consider it I don't know maybe talk to someone who knows something about that that very concept because there could be something there um, he did have me a little bit worried he, that primal scream towards the end of game one where they like he got an and one off his own rebound and they went up a few points and then he the rare Horford primal scream and I was like oh shit like <laughs> that's that's playoff hour they've just gone up it's game one they're sending a message there was a moment there where I was like we might lose this game and was kind of worried but here we are a few days later three and zero up on the uh, the pesky sixes there the Celtics have had some form of an X factor in every game so far. So in game one, it was Tatum and Brown. uh, And Brown had that huge fourth quarter there, 15 points, I think, in the fourth quarter. Mm. In game two, it was the bench, as you mentioned, Jackson. And then today we get three early fouls on Tatum. He never really finds his rhythm at all. And then suddenly there's vintage Kemper Walker crossing up Al Horford and winning the game. Uh, The Sixers, no sign of any uh, (laughs) X factor of any kind. 
Um, here's an example of the the lack of an X factor for the Sixers. Um, this is on the RNBA post game thread by Suzuki Gun for Life. I hope I got that right. Sixers are taking the lead. Sixers after taking the lead with two minutes and fourteen seconds left. This is the sequence. Embiid <laughs> turnover. Embiid blocked by Tatum. Jay Rich clear pass foul on Tatum. Harris, Jay Rich, and Embiid all missed threes. Sixers outscored 10-0 the rest of the way. Um, just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Like that, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was smiling to myself, and we're going to get to it a little bit later, the hatred towards the Sixers and the, the narrative side of things. But, hmm. I, I, you know, just when you think that the Sixers fans can't get any more miserable and like, they're finally finding some version of momentum in this game, they go ahead and just shit the bed so hmm. hard in the last couple of minutes of this game and somehow piss it away. Um it was a pretty unsatisfying game to watch on both sides, like pretty ugly basketball. Mm. Um, but that, I don't know about you, Jackson, but that, that final sequence there or sequence of sequences, just uh, it was uh, elating, you know, for lack of yeah. a better term to watch. It's like game one, we, I think we were just the better team, even though it was rather competitive for the most part and, and we weren't that great. Game two, absolute blowout. This was really the game that Philly should have won and they choked it. They <laughs> yeah. choked it hard. Um, and I, I feel, I guess if they got blown out again, it would be probably more demoralizing. But the fact that they could have gotten back in the game and they didn't must just sting that little bit more. Maybe not. I get the vibe that a lot of Sixers fans just want the, like the sweep to happen already, so they can they can they can just make louder noises about people needing to be fired or whatnot. So um, I'm not too sure uh, there. That's uh, I've forgotten my point. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I mean now the Sixers now are you know that typical science fiction movie alien genetic experiment that's like half alive in a tube that's like kill me (laughs) he's begging (laughs) begging for death (laughs) so hopefully we can sweep them and put them out of their misery um the humane thing (laughs) that's right Uh, it seems like so far in this series there's always been someone for the celtics who's ready to step up and give us a special performance when we need it like it has been a little varied so far in these three games we talked about tatum a little bit we talked about the bench who else do you jackson have been sort of the standout performers from the Celtics so far or, or the Sixers um well I mean Embiid for all the you know the, the criticism I had of him earlier like he's still been fantastic he's still been the one person that you feel if if he kept up his production the whole game um there would be we I, <laughs> I don't know, I'm talking myself out of it as I'm thinking of it. All I'm yeah, trying to right? say is I feel like I feel like Embiid almost deserves just to win a game just for himself, just for his own efforts, because he's clearly the only one that gives a shit, at least to start off with. Um, and he's still I still hate the I still hate the side of him as a competitor because I just know we have very little to, to do to stop him. Um, so there is that. Um, Tatum until today was was becoming the narrative for sure. Um playoff high game one uh playoff sorry playoff career high game one uh playoff career high again uh game two and then today couldn't quite do it so will we see 34 in game four um i'm gonna say yes what do you reckon (laughs) he didn't do himself any favors first two fouls were a little bit dodgy i know um, a lot of people were criticizing scott foster on on twitter about calling those Mm. those two early fouls but then the third foul which he got trying to block Embiid was like a clear sort of idiotic foul. Of, I don't know why he went for that to get his third foul in the first quarter there. But it just kept him out of rhythm the whole game. So I'm not worried about Tatum. I just think he kind of shot himself in the foot early. Uh, and the, the positive sign there is like we found a way to get it done in a very ugly game regardless yeah. of of that. Um, so in, in terms of standout performers, Jalen Brown, I think has been the ultimate 
sidekick. You, you know, he had that sort of peak fourth quarter in game one, but defensively in game two, when we went down early, it it sort of the, the run where we went up by heaps early in the second quarter, I think was spearheaded by, by Jalen Brown. Mm. Um, and he's been on fire defensively all series and obviously has had those offensive spurts as well. Um, we mentioned Brad Wanamaker uh, plus nine in the series, right? Which is just insane. Like, I, I'm sorry to bring up Brad Wanamaker again, but <laughs> it really cannot be overstated how if you don't notice Brad Wanamaker in a game, let alone a series of games in the playoffs, that is a very, very good thing. And that's the kind of Wanamaker we're seeing right now. Uh, and it's worth mentioning. Um, I don't have any other standout performers that we haven't already mentioned. Romeo and Grant were the other ones that I had listed. A um, couple of Reddit shout-outs from the post-game thread. User crash testing 123 writes, JT and JB have been so good this year that we sometimes forget we have Kemba freaking Walker. This man deserves to play in the finals. Larbird33 writes, played like shit and still won. <laughs> brooms. Bring out them brooms. Absolutely. Um, wasn't this game, but I also have to probably mention how amazing we got to see we got to see taco four minutes in a playoff game <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't even think he would be in the bubble man um let alone there he is and playing let alone I mean, albeit garbage time obviously but uh, i think i think getting taco time in a playoff situation is just awesome yeah and he's uh per 36 numbers in the playoffs are absolutely insane because mm. he was he was pretty productive in the 90 seconds the, that he was the out per, there he's the per 36 god it's the ultimate deity. <laughs> uh, prayers up for Gordon Hayward, by the way. We haven't... It's sort of become, become old news already based on the success we've had after his injury. But, you know, it's the, it's not the bad ankle, although maybe now it is his bad ankle. I don't know. Grade three sprains can apparently be quite bad. You know, he had four steals in game one. He wasn't impactless despite only scoring 12 points, especially against the Raptors, who by all accounts, it looks like we're going to play in the next series. Like we're going to miss him. He's an impactful wing. He he knows the flow of all the Steven systems, you know, both ends of the court better than anybody, it seems. Um, and I think rhythm-wise for the team, it's going to be a guy that we miss. Also, like, awesome at creating a bucket out of nowhere. Although Marcus Smart did do a good job, like you said, Jackson, earlier, of, of filling Gordon's shoes in, like, getting to the line a few times and drawing a foul on Embiid in this game when we, when we needed it, mm-hmm. when we'd lost our momentum. But I think we're going to miss that from Gordon Hayward going into this Raptors series. And I just feel bad for the guy because of all the injuries he's had in a, in a green jersey. Any uh, any remarks on Gordon there, Jackson? It's it's great that we haven't missed him so far, but you're 100% right about the Raptors series. Um, we will need more than just uh, a few points here and there, be it from uh, Marcus Smart or Brad Wanamaker, um, to, to make up for, for Gordon's absence in, in that respect. Uh, I Like, again, still very encouraged from what I'm seeing from Kemba in terms of uh, offensively. Um, Tatum has had a... a that's his second bad bubble game uh, by my from my memory. And I'm pretty sure after his first one, he definitely went for 30 or something like that. So I think he'll he'll be fine again so Jalen Brown's been sort of under the radar not for us we know we know what he's about he's he's the business but 
he still doesn't get talked about you know anywhere else outside of you know the Celtics from 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 what I can tell here so I'm happy for that just let him just keep being this amazing productive guy who's not you know attracting a lot of attention um granted the Sixers played good defense on him today so I think if you can get you know if those guys Tatum Brown Walker Smart can just keep doing the roles as they as they have been for the most part of the bubble series I don't think we'll miss Gordon um but I guess we'll find out in the next series really for sure won't we yeah, and popping into the the Raptors Reddit, they seem genuinely concerned about facing this version of the Celtics, the Haywardless version of the Celtics, based on how well we've been playing for the majority of the bubble. So that is pretty good to me, I think, because the Raptors seem like a fan base and a team that should be pretty confident in themselves and the way they've been playing. So the fact that we're on their radar as a potential threat, I think bodes well for how we might match up against them in a potential upcoming series. I say potential. It's fucking over, man. Let's be honest. Let's move on to that. I mean, we've got all the the X's and O's court stuff out of the way. Let's get on to the juicy stuff, Jackson. As a fan, what does beating the Sixers in a playoff series potentially sweeping them mean to you ah it's, it's what the, it's the, the first the second time in three years that we've done it you know I'm, I'm oh yeah it's still fine. nice though right whatever it's, yeah it's yeah no nice. it's it's great and again i don't want to harp on from the points you made earlier but particularly in the in the context of the regular season i remember going to my office christmas party uh we had to leave <laughs> in the last like few seconds of the second games at the td garden um, that Philly ended up winning, I think, by like six. I think MB had like 40 or, so, or something. And I was so just pissed off for that drive down there. I thought, this is going to ruin my night. This is going to be so <laughs> shit. I just hated the Sixers so bad. I just, yeah. I, I just, uh, I just, I, I couldn't stand it. And now you go to their subreddit and you, you read through just the, just the apocalyptic <laughs> nuclear takes that is going on in there. Blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I still. I, I do feel sorry for for some of the fans because there are there are the shit talking bandwagon supporters, particularly the Ben Simmons brigade, that I'm no fan of. I'll, I'll watch you. I'll watch you guys be miserable like every day happily. But there's got to be a lot of genuine, like intelligent, savvy minded basketball fans out there who happen to just be fans of the 76ers who probably sat through the the tanking, the just the absolutely abysmal years where you were just trying to get lottery picks and it turned into Simmons and it turned into Embiid and then Embiid is injured forever. So, sorry, Simmons is out his first season. Embiid is injured for his first two seasons. Yep. You're getting beaten by the Celtics. It's it, You think it's starting to come together. You get you get uh, 4-1 by the Celtics who without their best players two years ago. You go out to that Kawhi Leonard bucket in the playoffs last year, and now you've just you've sort of like ca- cashed all your chips in. You've paid Tobias Harris. You've paid Al Horford. You're going to just have a real run at it here, and you're going to get swept in the first round. Well, it's yeah, gotta remember the, it's got to be brutal. The, it's got to be hard. Sick, well, yeah, it has to be hard. But in one sense, in some sense, we've been there with the Kyrie Irving version of the Celtics where, mm. you know, like, because um, the Sixers fans, um, like, they'll know how this feels, but there's the photo of the team at Media Day. Remember, like, Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, Gordon Hayward and the Jays, mm. best starting five in the league. And the Sixers had that after signing Al Horford. And after a, a lot of the Sixers fans would say that, you know, they stole... Horford off us and now they've got this albatross of a contract <laughs> Al Horford you know 34 years old in the first year of a, of what is almost a max contract not performing uh, to put it generously in the playoffs uh, and then you got Tobias Harris as well who's, who's towing the same line and <laughs> the fact that it's come to this that we're on on the the edge of a, of a sweep of the 76ers in the playoffs 
um, in August uh, for whatever reason. Uh, it's just very sweet. It's honestly very nice. And the anguish of the Sixers fans just is really propping me up while I'm dealing with things like a lack of sleep from having a newborn and dealing with the pandemic and, and stuff like that. Just popping into the, the Sixers subreddit brings me so much joy at the moment. It really is my favorite like sort of cyberspace to, to hang out yeah. in at the moment. It, it, it could make a really, really hilarious comedy series, I think, if you follow the 76ers <laughs> from like 2004. 13 or something like that from <laughs> Tragedy the time is when comedy. they really were shit when they were really really shit when they started to get a little bit better and then you know the whole oh sweet now we, we're gonna the Boston wants to trade the first pick so we can have Markel Fultz uh, yes uh, I'll take yeah. that <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about though like the, even just the, the Fultz trade thing I remember all of their fans pouring into our sub talking shit every little yeah. step along the way to be fair, whenever we were they've a little, had a little win to be fair we were a little bit concerned too I remember yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, you know, each team's subreddit, this is just my opinion, but each team's subreddit should be a safe space for each of them to celebrate or commiserate within their own little pocket of fandom. Mm. And when other fans start jumping in, and I know that our fans aren't perfect and that they're definitely not innocent of this crime, but for whatever reason, it seems like the Sixers fans are the, are the most liberal with their jumping into other subs and talking shit. And they've done that so many times to me personally and to other people you know, that I know on the sub that I'm now so happy to see them this miserable. Uh, and I'm so happy to see that the false trade didn't work out. And the whole process, it seemed, has been control or deleted, kill process. Shit is over. Reboot. Fuck you, Sixers. Yeah. You're done. It's great. I just remember and rant. I just remember the guys to work with as a Sixers fan who I I I always thought was a was a total douchebag. I never never <laughs> never, never argued with him or anything. But I'm just like you're just you're just a wanker, aren't you? Yeah. Always was banging on about how good how good fucking Ben Simmons is. Play, claim to have played with Ben Simmons or done something with Ben Simmons. Like everyone who plays basketball in Newcastle will tell you. Like, oh yeah, Ben Simmons was my fucking dad's so and so. Blah blah blah. And I played with him. Um, it's, it's bullshit. Um. <laughs> So yeah, no, I just remembered him midway through your your rant there, and yeah, so yeah, no, all good, all good. He's miserable, and I'm happy now. Do you have a favorite seventy sixes blown playoff dunk? Is it Ben Simmons twenty eighteen or Tobias Harris twenty twenty? <laughs> um, uh, I, I can't remember the Simmons one. Oh wait, yes, I do. I, I vaguely remember it. Um, might have been the confetti game. The confetti game. in Philly. The confetti game is cl- is clouding my judgment. There's another episode we could easily <laughs> could add to the series. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the Tobias Harris blown dunk today was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. They were both as good as each other. I think I'll have to settle on that one. <laughs> a series of hilarious events. Yeah. My my lasting memory of this series. I know we've still got at least a game to go, but Embiid running down the court today. Uh, he just scored a couple of times on Cantor. He was just getting his initial first sniff of any momentum in this series. He's running down the court. It's the fourth quarter. And he's calling for the ball with this really obnoxious, like, dunking hand motion. Like, give me the ball. He's like, all swag. I'm going to take a canter on again. I'm going to score on him again. I think they're up by one or whatever. And he gets the ball and immediately throws it directly to Marcus Smart, who tips it forward to Jalen Brown for an and one layup. And that was the beginning of that that mm-hmm. end of game run sequence that we talked about earlier. And it, it was just so satisfying to me to see Embiid finally get a bit of swagger behind him, a bit of momentum, and just immediately fuck it all up and lose the game. Um, yeah, that, I think that's going to be my lasting memory of this series. Just, just Embiid not really having it at all. Not being able to carry a team, not being able to walk all of his ridiculous talk that he's spent more of his career doing than actually finding any form of on the court success. Yeah. Um, 
if we lose the next round, I'll be disappointed, but it will feel like uh, a success of a season just from having humiliated the Sixers. Agreed. Totally agreed. You know what I thought too? You know, when on reality TV shows, when someone gets kicked off and they have to do like the big walkout and it's like, you know, you, they, put, <laughs> they extinguish a torch or something. Can we do yes. that with the with these teams that go out in the first round? Like we should have done Please. it for the Grizzlies like already, <laughs> but now we can get like, we can get the Sixers and we can get the Nets and we can get the Magic and they all just like kind of trudge out all miserable. It'd be, it'd be hilarious. It'd <laughs> Escorted be hilarious. out of yeah. the bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> out, no out, bus out, or yeah. anything. Find your way to the airport. <laughs> yeah. I hope you brought a mask. <laughs> It's like coronavirus is everywhere. No, I want to stay in the bubble. It's not safe. Uh, it's great. Um, all right. Well, look, in some other news, the Celtics have the 14th pick in the lottery. And without knowing anything about upcoming draft prospects, let me ask you this, Jackson. Which of the following two player archetypes would you like to see the Celtics draft? Number one, any sharpshooting guard. Just anyone off the bench not undersized for once who can come in and knock down shots consistently mm-hmm. or a rim protecting big man with legit defensive feel for the game. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a shooter because I think you could integrate rookies better in if they're just shooters. I think if you want a more, and a more adept big man, particularly, you know, to fill the, the, the holes that we have on defense in the paint, I feel like that's more of a trade, uh, acquisition that you want to look to get so you're, you're getting you know more you're getting what you want more than taking a chance on somebody because you know mm-hmm. Robert Williams I think is still is still the long-term answer he's got to bulk up a bit but I still believe in him a lot um Taco will see where he's at next season I'm not holding a lot of help out but you know I think there's rim protection there so um let's just get let's get like a Landry Shamit type mold sort of dude who can just you know, run off a screen hit a three and, and be done with it that, that that would satisfy me yeah I think that plugs the biggest hole for the Celts is to get that sharpshooter off the bench sort of that Tyler Hero kind of what vibe. we wanted um, Carson Edwards to be basically yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> except not not undersized please mm. AJ and co just Get someone who can shoot who's at least six foot four. That's my it's my yeah. only ask. With the the rim protection side of things, it's also obviously another glaring hole for the Celts. But I, I do feel like Rob Williams can can maybe fill that in with a little bit more development. But I don't see, you know, Romeo or Carson Edwards or Traymond Waters or, or anyone sort of being a, a consistent, not tiny shooting threat off the bench mm-hmm. for us, which it feels like every modern NBA team needs. Um, but you know, I don't know anything about college hoops particularly now when it's not even on tv due to the pandemic so i don't know who would be available in that 14th range for us but um, i'm hopeful that we draft out of positional needs and that we fill that gap that'd be nice who's projected to go number one is it Lamelo? i think it's Lamelo. uh and there's like james wiseman and killian hayes and there's a few names that are sort of so i listened to a a, a bill simmons spot on it edwards or something Yeah, yeah i think that sounds right yeah, these are. I, I yeah, don't know. This is the first, Yeah, I, I know. As I, I never know anything about draft classes anyway, outside of the top prospects, because that's what you know other sites and uh, podcasts tell me about. Yeah, so I'm clueless on this one. Could be fascinating though, because you don't have the March Madness, which exposes a lot of. Well, not doesn't expose is the wrong word, but like gives exposure rather to a lot of like players that otherwise wouldn't be have um, featured so highly in the draft. Um, that could either 
it, it, uh, the, the enthusiasm around the draft might be quite low, but you may have a lot of sleeping sleepers in here who could be really talented. And this could end up being like, you know, because the, the, the vibe is it's not going to be a very good class. It could end up being a very good one, if that makes sense in a weird circular logic. No, no, it does. Or it could yeah. end up being just like the, was it the 2006 draft that was considered the worst one of all time? When, was it Hazonia, so. when Hazonia went first or whoever it was? Um, oh, um, oh I'm, I'm thinking of? You know I'm thinking of. The, the big man, uh, oh, Andrea Bagnani? Bagnani, yeah. Bagnani, yeah. <laughs> that was the shit <laughs> yeah. year, right? Yeah. Yeah, he ironically would have probably been a really effective modern NBA player of sort of a Porzingis ilk, you know, the sure, stretch yeah. four, you know, now moving into a five, you know, European shooting big, but um, ahead of his time. <laughs> Bagnani, there <laughs> yeah. you go. Right place, wrong time. All right, folks. Well, look, I think that's close to doing it. Look, sorry for all the anti-sixes, hateful ranting stuff, but, you know, you've got to understand that, um, you know, for Jackson and I, and I'm sure many other Celtics fans out there, it's a very sort of personal and and now prideful moment to see the Celts just stick it to the sixes like this. So if it sounds spiteful, if it sounds negative in in a world where we're looking for kindness... I apologize, but um, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Uh, Jackson, before we go, any predictions at all for Game 4, dare I ask? Uh, we really should be sweeping them, right? We really should be sweeping them. I, I Again, I feel like Embiid deserves a win just on his own, but I don't see the product, the productivity of anyone else around him really stepping up, you know? We have to have a really, really bad game. And like I said, Tatum had a bad game. I think he's going to bounce back and have a really good game. So yeah, no, it's going to be a sweep. Yeah, I can't see the motivation factor there other than maybe avoiding the humiliation of a, of a sweep for Embiid and the Sixers. But, you know, can win one game, you're just kind of prolonging no the fans. time spent no on your deathbed. No fans to play for. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. All right, well, look, folks, thanks for listening. Give us a five-star rating, subscribe, upvote, all that good stuff to help us out. Leave your comments in the Reddit thread and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jackson. Enjoy your weekend, mate. Thank you, buddy. You too. All right, see you, folks. Go Celtics. Peace. Hiking in the sun, the happiness that you mourn. You know the kids still dance, so we supply all the songs. If I'm wrong, you hit the Superman like Soldier at War. You agree-